0: Welcome to Lung Cancer Considered, the podcast of the International Association for the Study of Lung Cancer, a global organization dedicated to research and practice advances in thoracic oncology. You can find all of our podcasts on SoundCloud and at IASLC.org in the news section. Hi, I'm Marty Edelman. I am the chair of the Department of Hematology Oncology and uh, professor of hematology oncology at uh, Fox Chase Cancer Center in Philadelphia. On this episode of the Lung Cancer Considered podcast, I am joined by IASLC president, Dr. Tetsuya Mitsudomi, to discuss highlights of his his career, his goals as president of IASLC, and what his hopes are for the future of the treatment uh, of lung cancer. Dr. Mitsudomi is professor in the Division of uh, Thoracic Surgery, Department of Surgery at Kindai uh, University Faculty of Medicine in Osaka, Sayama, Japan. Welcome Dr. Mitsudomi, thank you for joining me today.
1: Thank you very much, I'm so excited to be here.
0: So, Tetsuya, can you tell me about um, why you chose lung cancer as a career? You know, what first got you interested?
1: Yeah, actually, uh, when I graduated from medical school, I just wanted to be a cancer doctor. Uh, in Japan, th- there are not many uh, medical oncology departments, so. So, uh, and uh, m- many patients with cancer taken care of their surgeons. So I chose surgery department uh, as, a, as my first career. And uh, I really wanted to cure lung cancer. I mean, cancer in general by both hands. But soon I realized that uh, surgery cannot cure the every patient. So initially, I wanted to be a uh, uh, GI kid, surgery surgeons, but after the nine years, from the my graduation, the my professor suddenly ordered me to change my specialty to thoracic. So that's why I uh, I became the thoracic surgeon. So that was uh, kind of uh, my own intention, but uh, later I thought it was very interesting field. And uh, now I'm, I'm, I was uh, happy to change my (laughs) career.
0: Kind of, it's interesting how people sort of develop into their areas. So I know that um, during this, you became interested in the, really the science and came to the United States and worked at the National Cancer Institute with the uh, late uh, uh, Dr. Adi Gazdar. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, what you did at uh, NCI and uh, uh, the projects you pursued with uh, Dr.
1: Gazdar? Yeah, so although I uh, chose surgeons as uh, my uh, way of the to be the physicians, uh, after the three years I went to the uh, graduate school where I studied the cell cycle mechanism, control mechanism. So I was trained as a basic researcher, very early in my career. And I, spending there for four years, I, I came back to the surgeon. Then after I was, I uh, started to major the lung cancer. Then after the one year, again, my professor ordered me to go somewhere. <laughs> and uh, I actually, in my first uh, thoracic meeting in Japan, I bought a book. Uh, written by Dr. Gadsden's group, NCA group, And I was so, I mean, impressed because uh, they established so many cell lines and uh, examined the uh, mutations such as K- KRS, uh, things like that. So I really wanted to be there. And uh, and after that, I found that one of my colleagues in, in my uh, medical school has actually worked with Dr. Morshine. So I... Uh, Wrote to him, and then he and his boss uh, recommended me to be the Eric Gazdar's lab And wh- when I joined Ady Gazdar's, so that was my first American trip. So I could not speak English very well. Now, now I'm not very well, but uh, worse than now, <laughs> of course. And uh, I started to do the uh, mutation search in the ras. Uh, sorry, in the ras mutation in the airlines, and, and later I did a P53 study. But uh, that really, I mean, forms my basis of the uh, physician scientist uh, in this field. And so really appreciate Dr. Uh, Gazden and Dr. Mina. But uh, unfortunately, uh, Dr. Gazda passed away two years ago. Yeah,
0: major loss for all of us. Yeah. And uh, it must be very exciting that we can now target KRAS you know, I guess, what, 40 years <laughs> right. after its discovery.
1: Yeah, so when I was working on the K-Rus, it is like 30 years ago. So we knew that uh, g 2 is the most common one. And now the, we have the several g 2 drugs. That is really, really exciting.
0: So tell us, you know, it, it seems that for many, many years, we've known even before the mutations were discovered in EGFR that there were differences in lung cancer in Japan as opposed to the United States or Western Europe. And, you know, now knowing the differences in the incidence of EGFR disease in Japan and, you know, in particular in Asia in general, why do you think that that's the case? Do you have any thoughts about
1: this? Um, That's a very tough question. And a lot of the people try to answer that question. And uh, there have been many uh, SNP studies uh, the difference in the incidence of the usual mutation should be related to the, some kind of the SNPs. But uh, I think there are uh, several papers, but uh, the relative risk odds ratio for the certain SNPs is relatively low. So we don't know still uh, why the mutation incidence, Israel mutation incidence is so high in Japan. And uh, in contrast, keras mutation is low in Japan. So we don't know.
0: So it is. It is a still different diseases, and you know. And I think there are, you know, there are other differences. So in like the, the Japanese, um, uh, rather the uh, the common arm trial that you know your Japanese groups ran with the Southwest Oncology Group was very fascinating right. because same drug, same disease, same assessments, and yet not only different activity but also different toxicities.
1: Right. Exactly. So we are in general smaller, but. In addition to that, we are really susceptible to the toxicity by the chemotherapy agents. And in addition, I like to, uh, when I would, the, the distribution of the stage is different. We, uh, about one-third of the lung cancer patients have stage one disease. So reflecting, maybe refl- refl- reflecting this, uh, uh, the five-year survival is like uh, 39% according to the recent statistics, Japanese statistics. The student number is increasing, but uh, if you divide the uh, number of deaths by number of uh, the new cases, it's like uh, 62%, which is, I think, the highest among the world.
0: So what, what percentage of uh, people in Japan uh, smoke?
1: Yeah, so the, uh, the smoking incidence is decreasing, but it's like 20%.
0: So not, not that much different than the United right. States, where we're, I think, at 16% now, down from 40 So I, I think these are clearly some you know interesting areas that will yeah. need to be explored.
1: And if you compare the survival, even with, in the same stage, the, it looks prognosis better in Japanese patients. So we don't know. There are multiple factors. So, so we have the earlier, more earlier disease and uh, maybe we are more, we give the more intensive therapy like fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh line of treatment. So that may help uh, improve the patient prognosis.
0: Um, so at what point did you learn about the IASLC? I mean, when, when in your career was that probably even when you were at NCI with Dr. Minna, kind of one of the early members?
1: Actually, I was relatively new when I uh, was in the States, in the lung cancer field. So actually, I didn't know the ISLC at that time. My first ISLC, I mean, the WCS meeting was in 2000 when it was held in Tokyo. I went to so, that meeting, <laughs> I remember it. <laughs> Ever since I attended every every WCLC meeting, but, uh, I missed uh, uh, two meetings after I uh, majored uh, lung cancer. So.
0: so you've been a regular member, and, and which committees and have you been on? You know, what have you done with the ILC?
1: Actually, I have not very much involved in the uh, um, committee activities. So, but uh, that but changed my life as a as uh, member. But uh, when I was elected as a board members. That was twenty fifteen or something like. That.
0: So, so we've been, you know, definitely active and uh, in in Japan. Um, there's, you know, I guess versions of cooperative groups like in the United States and, and such. Do you have more than one, or you know, is there a Japanese cooperative oncology group? Yeah, so a... nowadays
1: there used to be only one JCOG Japan clinical right. Oncology Group, which has the longest history. But after that, we I'm, I was the, the WJOG was created, WJOG, West Japan Clinical Oncology Group, and I, I have been the founding member. And the, following that, there are several other groups. So, in the cancer field, you may be aware of the name of the NEJ. Mm-hmm. So the, they're famous for the NEJ trials, right? North East Japan Group.
0: So, it's sort of regionally based, and um, right. you know, and,
1: But not necessarily be the the members uh, is uh, people move uh, around, (laughs) right? Right. (laughs) Even
0: in Japan, you know, so it's like why the Southwest Oncology Group has members on the East Coast, you know, and stuff. Exactly. So you know, where do you see um, you know with the ISLC, we're a very multidisciplinary organization. It sounds like you know, you know, you've obviously been doing both surgery and medical oncology. you know, how do you see us evolving over the next, say, decade?
1: Yes. So, I mean, as you told me that uh, I'm kind of the trained in a multidisciplinary way. So I'm a surgeon and uh, I trained in the biology and also do some medical oncologists and translation research. So I think that that's aspect of the uh, IIS is very important. And uh, definitely we like to, I like to uh, develop that kind of direction. But but these days, uh, on the other hand, uh, that things became very complicated. So, so that many people want to specialize in certain aspect of cancer. But uh, at the same time, team, uh, team management is very important. So, for that purpose, analysis is very helpful organization. And uh, definitely, I want to uh, foster that aspect of the.
0: So I guess that's going to be one of your in- uh, initiatives or goals is the uh, new president of the ISLC is to obviously increase more of that multidisciplinary activities. Yeah.
1: And uh, also, I think as a surgeon, I feel that the development of these days is mainly on the drug therapy. So the target therapy, immunotherapy is, is really amazing. And in, in contrast, the, the development in the surgical field is to reduce the number of the wound or of the wound so those kind of the uh, less invasiveness is is a main target and i think that uh, surgeons are not very i mean happy (laughs) in that in that that we cannot we do not uh, extend our hands around so in that sense i mean combining the newer treatment models such as immunotherapy and the target therapy with surgery is uh, very attractive for me and uh, I hope that many surgeons are interested in this kind of the therapies, and the, um, so we, we should be very active for the performing the clinical trials.
0: Well, you know, it, it seems to me that with, you know, our desire to um, hasten the development of drugs, you know, one of the things, and, you know, I, I actually debated against this last year, but uh, uh, with Dr. Bunn, but, uh, you know, the potential role of surgery, of, of determining the, uh, the activity of drugs in the neoadjuvant setting, where obviously surgeons would be critically important in doing the pre-therapy biopsies, the post-treatment resections. And that may demand sort of new ways of assessing, you know, what's resectable and the extent of resection.
1: Yeah, exactly. And uh, I'm, I, as a surgeon, I'm very happy that uh, these days, uh, many pharmaceutical companies are interested in the earlier disease.
0: And there are other, the local modalities. I mean, clearly the role of stereotactic radiation for the treatment of oligometastatic disease, or for that matter, yeah. surgery as part of that is clearly, you know, it's sort of interesting in that as, you know, drug therapy moves into very early stages yeah. in the adjuvant setting to prevent relapse, sort of the, the other, the, the, as the tide changes it also picks up the value of local modalities in metastatic disease which is you know in many ways
1: still a conceptually new approach right yeah it's kind of paradoxic if we have the very very nice drugs will not be necessary but we are in the middle of the development so that the, the local therapies again becomes more important compared to the
0: yeah and it's, it's in you know local th- therapies and advanced disease and Uh, systemic therapies and localized disease. So I think that, you know, further underlines the importance of a multidisciplinary approach where, you know, everybody's involved. Are, Are you going to have any initiatives to involve, you know, other what were sort of not necessarily the oncologic specialties like pulmonary medicine, as well as sort of, I don't know what their status is in uh, Japan, but advanced practitioners like nurse practitioners, uh, physicians yeah, assistants? Yes. So for the
1: drug therapy of lung cancer, in Japan, the, uh, most of the patients are taken care of the respirologists. We have many, very little number of the medical oncologists who see the patients with lung cancer as well as the GI or other types of cancer. So the, most of the people, most of the patients in Japan, lung cancer patients, are, uh, see their Respiratory doctors, so that's that's one characteristic, and also that some surgeons like me, um, may give the drug to their patients.
0: Yeah, that would it's. I remember my one of my f- first trips to Japan. There was sort of a very different approach to some of the yeah. potential toxicities of the drugs, and it seemed so. Now that sort of explains it because if you're not really used to working with cytotoxics, you know, then The blood counts are scary. Where for us it was (laughs) like, so what, you know?
1: But everyone uh, learns a lot, so don't don't worry. I mean, and also I think that I heard that in the states, uh, as high as eighty percent of the patients are taking care of the community oncologists, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. The community uh, plays a big role. Actually, we
1: don't have the such category of the doctors, so I I thought it's very different.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's uh, much more. uh, care that's that's localized uh, in communities relatively less yeah, because at universities. Is big, so yeah, it's it's a very dispersed place. so and um, you know, so obviously, lung cancer has changed a great deal uh, the last few years. Um, what what do you reflect upon some of these changes of, say, the last five years in our treatments and approaches? Maybe
1: last twenty years? <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, after the turn of the century, the target therapy is introduced, and we thought it may cure the patient, but it was not. And then uh, five years ago, the, the immunotherapy is introduced, and uh, some patients may be cured by immunotherapy, but the percentage of those patients still roll. But uh, I think that this is a very exciting time, and uh, I, I think I'm happy as a, as a lung cancer professional to leave this time of the area. So think about thirty, forty years. I would have no <laughs> essentially progress at all, right?
0: Yeah, things have definitely changed. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's interesting as I, uh, you know, talk to my fellows. I tell them, you know, it's very important to read beyond the guidelines because uh, everything we teach you now will be replaced uh, inevitably. And yeah. uh, you know, if you you have to go and understand where they came from and what the papers say. As I point out, I actually uh, started in medicine before there were CT scanners, so you know, I'm, I'm looked at like I just <laughs> right. walked out of the Stone Age. <laughs> so I guess <laughs> <Stone> so. <age. laughs> so I, I guess where do you what, what do
1: you see uh, the next five years or ten years looking wow, like? it's a very difficult question, and no one can predict what is happening after five years, but. Uh, as I told you, I mean, i was really interested in the uh, new age immunotherapy, immunotherapy. Maybe many of the our colleagues do so. But uh, in in five years old, that will become the the uh, standard care of the patients. So, and uh, I think the the patients with uh, surgical candidate is uh, closest to the cure, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean that uh, that can we should improve the outcome of uh, those patients first.
0: And um, you know, we're coming up on uh, another meeting in Asia, in Singapore uh, this summer. Um, uh, what do you see as the uh, big events uh, for that meeting, or what are you looking forward to at that meeting?
1: Yeah, actually, I mean, every, now it's annual, but every uh, WCLC, it, it should be, there should be a very exciting paper. And I don't know at this time, What kind of the new uh, data will be presented. But uh, as a president, I like to make every effort to attract uh, uh, nice uh, studies to be presented for the first time in the world. And also there are a lot of the educational program, which really helps to uh, to organize your knowledge about cancer, because these days uh, the therapies and drugs are so complicated so it's a great opportunity and also to make friends to networking is a very important aspect of the WCLC and uh, I think that without ICLC or WCLC my life as a, as a doctor would be very different so I'm really grateful to the uh, CLC. Yeah, we're,
0: we're definitely a, a, a community that um, you know, when when times were difficult in the past, um, yeah. you know, have sort of relied on each other, and so it's exciting that now lung cancer is the, the hot area of of cancer medicine. Yeah. So, um, any uh, final thoughts uh, that you want to share with our
1: audience? Yeah. So, I mean, the uh, other thing is. Of the LLC characteristics, is uh, of course its international nature, and uh, still I think as a uh, Asian, I think the the medicine is U.S. centered, and but uh, recently I have the several opportunities to visit the developing countries such as uh, Egypt, or other uh, countries, and I f- it's everywhere I feel the very they really that lung cancer is a great threat and a big health burden. And uh, also, I feel the great enthusiasm of the, of the lung cancer doctors there. So i like to help these developing countries as much as possible. I don't know how much we can do as, a, as an academic association, but uh, th- there should be a way. Maybe the educational aspects is, uh, is uh, maybe the easiest way to help them. So I think that's uh, another, uh, my, another uh, things I, I'd like to do as a president.
0: Excellent. Thank you very much, Dr. Mitsudomi. Uh, it's been a much. pleasure.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast. Visit the news section on IASLC.org for more Lung Cancer Considered podcasts. And please, like your favorite episodes on SoundCloud and share them with your friends and colleagues.